And we're going to continue this theme of what James is wanting for the church. And today is, a, is one of these really like just stomp on your feet type of sermons. So I, I hope you're ready to get bloodied up, you know, because that's what this is all about. And uh, to prepare our hearts, one of the things that I love is just to uh, allow you to hear God's word uh, and the section of God's word that we're going to be working from today. And uh, I've asked Josh uh, Chenault to come up. And over Memorial Day weekend, uh, we thought this was a great way to honor our soldiers and all that they have done in our military. And he's going to be reading God's word this morning. And I'd like all of you to stand as Josh reads God's word this morning. James chapter 2, verse 14 through 26, faith and deeds. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no good deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith, but my deeds. But my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous, righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Let's bow. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the power of your words. And Lord, we realize that these are sacred words, and they are to be taken to heart and put into motion. I thank you for Josh. I thank you for his service. And thank you for all the men and women that are here in the service and the great debt that we owe them. And the great debt, most of all, that we owe in Jesus Christ. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. All right. You can all be seated. It's interesting. I saw this church sign and uh, wanted to read it to you about. This is not the kind of church James wants us to have. It's called <laughs> Light Church. So here's what the sign says. Light Church, 24% fewer commitments, <laughs> the home of the 7.5 tithe, the 15-minute sermon, the 45-minute worship service. We only have eight commandments, your choice. <laughs> we only have three spiritual laws, and we have an 800-year millennium, everything you ever wanted in a church and less. Now, that's, we're better than that church. I mean, seriously. But it's interesting, if we're not careful, that's what we look for in a church. Not the church that's going to challenge us to do more. If we're not careful, it's, I want a church that does it for me, so I have to do less. That is not the church that God desires. 
God desires for us to truly be a church, all churches that are willing to expand their faith boundaries, all of us. So you probably wonder about the wheelbarrow. And so let me just share. This is one of the oldest, and I'm just not, I'm not going to say cheesy, but every minister that I know has used this illustration. So you're already going to know what I'm saying, but hang, hang in there and entertain me. Okay, so here we go. Uh, and I've been to Niagara Falls, and there's a wonderful little uh, freakish book uh, called Daredevil of the Falls, all the people who've tried to cross the falls. Some have made it, <laughs> some have not. And uh, the most famous by far is a, a man by the name of Charles uh, Blondin. And Blondin several times was a tightrope walker and walked over uh, the Niagara Falls and realized he could make a lot of money if after he would complete walking one of these uh, adventures, would then challenge the crowd by saying, if you'll come back, you give him a date, it's going to get better. So he got better. And one of his tricks was he walked across the falls. Now imagine this, if you've ever been to Niagara Falls, 11,000 feet across, okay, 160 feet up, turned around with the wheelbarrow, walked back across. But before he went back the second time, he turned to the crowd and he said, how many of you think that was an amazing trick? And they were like, yes! How many of you have faith in me that I can go back across the falls in that wheelbarrow? And, there were, and he's just getting the crowd. Yes! Good. Who will volunteer to get in the wheelbarrow? Silence. Okay. Okay. Faith is this willingness to say, I'll do whatever. Now, here's the problem. Too many times when we hear that word faith, we think of an extreme act or risk as opposed to daily devotion. So we think, I've got faith in the Lord. I will die for the Lord. And the Lord said, okay, that's awesome. But are you willing every day to be devoted to me? Are you willing to do these little things every day? Because really, that is true faith. In the text that Josh read this morning, you probably noticed the word faith is used 11 times. I think James is driving home a point. What do you think? So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're just going to look at two types of faith. The first is what I just simply call surface faith. Look again at verses 14 through 19. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes, daily food, and one of him says, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is that? Now let's just pause there and think about what he's talking about. He's talking about surface faith. Elton Trueblood says this, Our faith is expressed in two books. Our date book, which is actually our planner, and our checkbook. And he's absolutely right. You want to know anybody's priorities? Check out how they spend their time and how they spend their money. And that's all of us. Uh, my mom and I, especially when I was a teenager, uh, we had this ongoing conversation. And uh, it was usually when I was making a series of excuses, like, you know, never bringing homework home, not doing what mom asked me to do, hanging out with people that I shouldn't. I know none of you had those problems. So anyway, uh, we'd have a dialogue. And, and I would make these lame excuses. And my mom would say, here's the bottom line. You will do what you want to do. People always do what they want to do. You just didn't want to do it. And I said, mom, it's so much more complicated than that. And all these years later, am I the only one that still hears your mother's voice? Do you still hear? 
And she was spot on. The things that we really want to do, guess what? We'll find a way to do them, no matter what. And the things that we choose not to do, we'll make every excuse under the sun not to do it. James said, that's not the kind of faith that's going to work with God. Now, is James saying that good works, good works are going to save you? In other words, uh, I put my faith as doing good works, and that's what saves me. That is not what James is saying. Grace saves us. None of us are worthy by our works of salvation. James is not teaching the early church what they need to do to be saved. You know why? He's already talking to believers. Remember, this is a Jewish church. They've already given their lives to Jesus. He's saying, now that you've given your life to Jesus, you need to live every day as if you're not saved. You need to live every day with complete urgency. And you need to start living out your faith. Not surface faith, but actually living out. And there are some scholars that think James and Paul contradict each other, and they don't contradict each other at all. Matter of fact, if you remember, Paul wrote uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. And what is the entire text about the fruit of the Spirit? How do you know somebody's following Jesus? Look at the fruit. It's easy. Look at their lives, and you'll see they are following Christ. So then he gives us these two great examples, what I would call of counterfeit faith. And the first example is this, in verses 14 through 17 that we read. Let's say a brother or sister. Now, I'm speculating here. The fact that he uses the phrase brother and sister lends me to believe it's individuals you know. This isn't the random stranger. This isn't the guy that walks up to your door and he said, I, I could sure use money. He said, he said, no, no, brother, sister, who's without clothes and is without food, and they come to you, and they need what? Help. And you'd say, good luck with that. I'm praying. Here's a good question. Hey, man, I'm praying for you. Hey, I appreciate that. But like Heather said, hey, our air conditioner broke. I need more than prayer. You know what I'm saying? There are, there are folks that when they approach us and they need help, they need more than this pat on the back, I'm praying for you, or go in peace. They need more than that. I just read uh, in studying for this, this is, a, this is a phrase from down south that I'd never heard before, and it's called back window Christians. You know what a back window Christian? Now, this is going back a few years. It's the person who walks out of church, they take their Bibles, and they throw it in the back window so the kids don't mess with it. And then the next Sunday, they reach in the back window, they pull it out, and they smile, praise Jesus, and God is wanting to puke, honestly. He's like, that is not what I called you to do, to throw your Bible in the back window and say, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. No. And that's what James is saying. Listen, it's as easy as this. You see somebody in need, people need to see you're willing to do what it takes to help them. We don't want to be back window Christians. What good is it? James is saying this. What good is this? to say you have faith in Jesus and yet you're hurting those that you work with or you're obnoxious to your neighbor. You're rude at restaurants or stores. You're disrespectful to your family. You're always negative. When you ignore those things in life, where is your faith really? And what is your faith in the eyes of others? They need to see a difference. And then he gives another counterfeit example. Look what he says in verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith and what I do. 
You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe and shudder. Now, one thing that James does is he'll take these hypothetical situations and he'll paint a story. So he just did the first one. He said, uh, yeah, there's somebody that comes to you and they're without clothes, they're without food, and they say they need help. In faith, you help that person. And he said, now, let's look at some examples. And he's going to get to these examples later. But he said, before we get there, and he's talking to himself now, he said, I, I want you to examine faith. And remember who he's talking to? A Jewish audience. So he said, if you really have faith in one God, and remember, that separated the Jewish people from everyone. All these other foreign uh, beliefs, they followed numerous gods, but the Jewish people said, we follow Jehovah, one God. He said, now, if you really follow one God, if you really believe that way, and yet your faith doesn't lead to action, that is vain, that is counterfeit. And he said, just to say, I believe, and then he pauses and he says, good. Oh, that's so good. Good. That's like uh, whatever. I mean, that's like James saying, that is, that is so lame. And here's why. Even the demons believe. Isn't that interesting? He goes to the extreme. He said, okay, let's talk about believing. Even the demons believe. I read a quote that said, the sad truth is that there's great theology in hell. In other words, there's folks in hell and they believe in God and they believe in the word. They just never did a thing about it. See, we need to realize there's so much more to our faith than just simply saying, I believe. This is a, a story that I heard recently and it really was uh, powerful to me. And uh, can somebody, I'm not, I'd never do this. Can somebody have them turn it down just a little bit? Okay. Thanks for stepping out in faith, Andy. Let's give Andy a big hand. That guy. <laughs> Some of you remember years ago, there was a movie called Out of Africa. And in that movie, uh, it's based on the writings of Karen uh, Blixen. Now, she was a, a Dutch baroness, a very wealthy and a writer, and she wrote about her life for 17 years in Kenya on a, on a coffee field. And there was actually a young man uh, from that area that came to work for her, and uh, he was an outstanding hard worker, and he worked there uh, for 90 days. And she just was really excited because he picked up so quickly and what to do, and actually he was out working everybody. And then he approached her one day, and he said, would you write a letter of recommendation in just a few days? I have another job. And she said, well, don't you like where you're working? He goes, oh, no, no, I like where I'm working, but I'm at a crossroads in my life, and I need to go work at this other place for 90 days. And she said, well, I'll pay you more. And he goes, no, no, it's not about the money. He says, I'm going to go work for Sheikh Ali bin Salam. Sheikh Ali bin Salam. He's Muslim. And she said, well, why are you going to go work for him for 90 days? Now, here's the catch. Because I wanted to study the ways and the habits of Christians for 90 days. And then the next 90 days, I'm going to study the ways and the habits of the Muslims. And then I'm going to make a decision on who I'm going to follow. And here's her question to him. Why didn't you tell me that at the front end of the 90 days? And he said, you know why. Wow. And I kept thinking, 
What if somebody followed me the last 90 days? Lived with us, with Marie and I. Uh, was in on every conversation, every action, to see what my attitude was like going to church, through church, after church, how I was at meetings, how I treated other people. Did I ignore strangers for 90 days? Would they want to be a Christian or would they say, I don't think so? How would it be with you if somebody followed you the last 90 days? Would they want to follow Jesus or not? Now, that's pretty heavy stuff. That's what James is saying. James said, listen, your words, and we all know this, your words are worthless. Your actions, there it is. People need to see what you believe and what you truly believe in. And then in verses 20 through 26, he talks about saving faith. Look at verse 20, you foolish man. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. I love that. His faith and his actions are working together. And his faith made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled. And it says, Abraham believed God and he was credited to him righteousness. And he called him God's friend. And then it goes on to talk about Rahab in that text. So right away, James said, listen, you are students of the word. So let's talk about Abraham and let's talk about Rahab. And you'll realize what drives their lives was their faith. Now, again, remember, faith, your good deeds don't lead to salvation. So let me just share a couple of quotes that I love. We are not saved by works, but saved people do God's work. Does that make sense? You're not saved by what you do, but when you give your life to Christ, guess what? You say, I've signed up. Man, I am ready to do the work. I'm ready to step up. I mean, this is the weekend. It's Memorial Weekend. How many veterans do we have here this morning? And we're going to honor you. Okay. Can you imagine when all of you went to boot camp, if you'd have woke up the first morning and go, you know what? Got to be honest. Getting up a little early. I'm not a morning person. How would that land? You're dead. I mean, at that moment, I mean, come on. I mean, you do what somebody tells you to do. And, and that's all James is saying. He's saying, listen, this isn't a, a matter of God loves you and you're going to be saved by doing good works. But if you are saved... You've got to live that way. Dr. Henderson, who is, uh, was a longtime professor at Lincoln University, said this, Our good works do not save us, but God uses our good works to save others. Man, I love that. It's not our good works that save us. And that's why I say saving faith. We have so much faith in God, and we live out that faith. And you know what will happen? God will put people in your life that don't know him, and you're going to have a front row seat to somebody coming to Jesus Christ because you were courageous in what you did. And let me tell you, that's the best seed in the house. Abraham and Rahab, have you thought about those two extremes? Abraham was the father of the Hebrews. He was a man of power and respect. And then he's called a friend of God, and he was declared righteous. Rahab, a Gentile prostitute. Now, if you don't know the story, it's in the book of Joshua, chapter 2. And these spies go into Jericho, and uh, there's a deep threat that they're going to be captured. And Rahab, 
prostitute who had heard all about God decided to spare their lives and to help them. And then at the right time, it says she dropped this scarlet cord from her window so that the spies could escape. And the spies, uh, they shared, we wouldn't have got out of there alive. And all these years later, we hear about Rahab, a prostitute who carried so much baggage, and yet she's forgiven. She's considered righteous. And that scarlet cord, I still remember a professor years ago, he said that scarlet cord goes all the way through the Bible to the cross of Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? He said, you know all about Abraham, and you know all about Rahab. Let's talk about their faith. Their faith was able to save others. Now, let's, let's uh, put some feet on this sermon today. If you'll look around you, all of you have a brochure, and that simply has opportunities to serve this summer. Talk is cheap, so let's all roll up our sleeves, and here's just uh, some ways that you can serve through the summer. The first one you've heard about, we have six sites. If you'll contact Becky or Nate, uh, you just ask them, and I guarantee there's ways that you can help. On July 13th, this is really neat, uh, there's an amazing ministry called Victory Lane, and they help special needs families, not just children, but whole families, and they will be at Bradford Woods, and they've asked us on the 13th to just send a meal team up. Uh, if you'll see Doug Sanders, uh, you sign up, he would love to have you. And then the International Furniture Drive, that's all in with all of our campuses, and that's August 13th through the 24th. There, there's things every night going on. But on the 24th, that Saturday, boy, they need so much help. They always do. And if you'll contact Tracy Fox and just let us know that you want to help. And you're going to keep hearing throughout the year of ways to get involved. And then you're going to see in the back that we're actually going to have a table uh, starting next week, and it's called Next Steps. And on Next Steps are all these ways that you can sign up uh, and get involved. And uh, let me tell you something I was excited about last week. I just mentioned the golf cart, and I mentioned the welcome team, and we had several people like, I'm in. Man, I'll help. I'll do whatever it takes. Folks, we all have to work together, all of us. And you want to know what faith is? Faith is action. Uh, what I love after second service, and I don't mean I love doing it, but I, I love to watch how many people are involved setting this thing back up, this room, and they flip this room in about 15 to 20 minutes, I can't tell you how many small children. You know, remember when you were a little kid and the adults would go, no, 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 that's for the adults. We're like, no, seriously, can you walk? Get in here, you know. We don't play that tune here, man. And if a kid says, man, I, I got hurt. Well, everybody has to play hurt, pal. Get in, you know. We want them to work. Now, we work in gain salvation? No, no, we work because it is a way that we can serve the Lord. Rich Mullins, some of you remember Rich Mullins from years ago. He had this... Uh, crazy song about faith. And here's a line from the song. Faith without works is like a song you can't sing. It's about as useless as a screen door on a submarine. And that's true. You can't say, I have faith in the Lord, but then not get behind the Lord and faithfully serve. One of my favorite ministers over the years has been Charles Swindoll. And Charles Swindoll has I can't even tell you how many ministers he's helped in his life uh, with his, his books on expository preaching. And he told a story on himself, and I, I love this. He is coming home from church. He's exhausted, 
And this is back in the Wild West days. Some of you that are old enough know what I'm talking about. Uh, seat belts, they were just kind of a nuisance. Do anybody remember that? And if you had kids in the back seat, you're on your own. You know, and I, I can still remember the bigger cars I'd ride in with my buddies. And like, number one, nobody wore a seat belt. And if it was a big trip, you ever ride in the back window? I mean, I remember if you were small enough, you'd stick them in the back window, you know. And so uh, he said that those were the days he's riding home from church. The, you didn't crank the air conditioner. You're wasting energy. You roll the windows down. You guys remember those days? So he said, windows down. And my kids are laying in the back seat, and they're not fighting. So I'm like, I don't really care, you know. And then they start singing, laying down on the floorboard. And the song they're singing, and I remember doing this in children's church, if you're saved and you know it, then your life will surely show it. If you're saved and you know it, what? Clap your hands. And then you clap your hands. And then you stomp your feet. And then you say what? Good, you guys were there. Okay. And then you do all three. Well, they're going to keep singing it. And finally, they said, Dad, we're going to keep singing until you start singing with us. And he said, oh, fine. So now he's singing it, windows down, and he's thinking to himself, this actually is a great little song. I'm going to sing it a little louder. And now there's, and they're laughing and they're singing. And when he gets to the part, and you're happy, honey, no, clap your hand, and honk, honk, he's honking the horn. And then he pulls up and he looks over and there's this extremely expensive car, windows down, and they're giving him a look like, you're either drinking or you're one of those, you know, Christians. And as soon as the light turned green, I mean, they, they peel out. And then he started laughing because he realized he doesn't see the kids. All he sees is this crazy old guy. If you're happy, you know, that's all there's. And so he's laughing, thinking about it. And he said, we're all laughing. And he said, then all of a sudden, the lyrics to that song hit me. And he said, it wasn't a children's song anymore. He said, if you're saved and you know it, then your life will surely show it. And he said, Lord, does my life show it every day? And he said, I couldn't get that crazy kid's song off my mind. You ever been there? Kids come home, they sing a song, and you realize, I'll be, that's profound. And that is a profound thought. Does your life show it? That there's this joy of Jesus in your life and everybody knows it because it shows by what you say? No, by what you do. It's what all of us do. That's what you want people to say, isn't it? People talk about the West Side. What do you really want them to say? You want them to say, hey, they're crazy, but let me tell you, man, they're willing to serve. That's the kind of church you want to be a part of. That's the kind of church that, that I want to be a part of. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.